0: Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous?
1: Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails
0: to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth.
1: Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just in. You could buy your very own, that does suit madam, official tote bag. And handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington Bear.
0: We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup.
1: And of course, t-shirts.
0: But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear.
1: Support your favorite podcast with some That Doesn't Matter merch.
0: All at imfree.threadless.com
1: imfree.threadless.com and, and you've, you've all, all done, done very well. well.
0: This episode of That Dust Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace b b like Airbnb. But instead of a vacation with other holidaymakers, you're surrounded by your co-workers 24 hours a day. Save on electric, petrol, and transport fees. And shack up with your boss in the same building where you work. Rentals may or may not be adjacent to Indian takeaways and the smell of curry
1: and or mothballs. Mr. Brandon, are you free?
0: Uh-huh. I'm
1: free. I'm uh-huh. Brandon. And I'm Jeff. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about are you. Being served. Gladys is back.
0: Gladys, she's back and she's solid, solid rose gold, baby. (laughs) Gladys, we missed you. Oh, she can only speak in Morse code, but she's saying uh, thank you for uh, the compliment. So she's back. Unanimous. How you doing, Mr. Jeff? How you doing? Unanimous.
1: I'm doing quite well, Mr. Brandon. Thanks for asking. It is a chilly November evening here in North America. Uh, We are just about to have our American Thanksgiving holiday and um, the year is wrapping up. It's I, I can't believe how quickly this year has gone.
0: Well, that's not the only thing to wrap up. Uh, Save sex joke. Um, <laughs> but also, the freaking series is, is uh, the entire original already oh, being served is wrapping up almost, right? It's I crazy. Know.
1: This is our penultimate episode.
0: Well, of the not of the podcast. Don't worry. It's funny because I posted something on Twitter and Facebook saying like, "Oh my god, there's only one more episode," and people were like. Oh, my God, there's only one more episode of the podcast? And I, has, I had to calm the unanimous. Don't worry, unanimous. Shh, shh, it's okay. Pet, pet, pet. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're still going to continue on, but just with um, little funny episodes here and there, uh, we're going to do the unanimous episode after the pop star. So that's probably like in a month or two. And then we'll do like all the goofy little episodes from like Australia and the American version. And the and
1: reboot. then we'll do Are You Being Served yeah. Again,
0: too. yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's coming to the end. We've done, what, 60, 70-something episodes, and it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, exactly. You know what else is crazy? That we finally got an Are You Being Served reference on RuPaul's Drag Race. So... Um,
0: okurr, right? Is so that what it they is,
1: say? That is what they say. That's <laughs> very well done. Thank so you. So it, it was not a Snatch Game impersonation like we're all hoping for. Yeah. But what happened was in the last episode of Drag Race UK 3, uh, there was a challenge where one of the queens on the runway wore a blue-colored wig. And the judges thought that she looked like a nana with a blue rinse. Like, if you can imagine, like, older women who have that, you know, the blue rinse in their hair. And and the the, the queen didn't get the reference. He's like, I don't understand old people wearing, you know, blue hair. I don't see that in one... Other queen was like, yeah, my grandmother has a blue wig. And another contestant, who I think is the youngest of the four of them left, Please. said um, Mrs. Slocum.
0: Yes. Okay, whoever that person is, they need to win. They have that our was,
1: vote. Uh, that was Kitty Scott Claus, uh, who, is, <laughs> um, um, who, who who made the, the Mrs. Slocum reference. Um, so, you know, let's, let's make sure to tag her. Uh, in our social, and we need to we, like um, connect
0: her to um to Ms. Tony Homeperm, who did a great Mrs. Slocum, um I guess cosplay. yeah, um when we were on her show with um, yeah, absolutely. yeah, so that she with she
1: Alexis Flame. Fabulous, exactly. Yeah,
0: so that's fun. And I think we were alerted um to that by somebody on Twitter whose name escapes me. so. Thanks for dropping us the info about the the RuPaul's Drag Race. UK. Was
1: that was that Mr. Allen who also let us know about um, Wendy Richard's singing career? Um, perhaps that's
0: what yeah. I'll say. I don't know, but we've been hearing yeah. from a lot of people, so it's 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 lovely to be overwhelmed by you. Yes, yeah, so
1: so apparently Mike Barry is not the first pop star in the cast that Wendy Richard actually had a hit in 1962 with. Um, with an artist called Mike Sarni on the song Come Outside.
0: Oh my god, it sound, I felt like I was watching an episode of, of EastEnders,
1: or Are You Being Served? <laughs> right there, right there in London. She does that kind of speech singing, very similar to um, Fred Schneider of the B-52s. Or William although, Shatner. <laughs> or, right, or William Shatner. But instead she does it in that Cockney voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She definitely was known for that. Which, which isn't her natural voice. But it's that character that she puts on. Yeah. I can speak hoity-toity, when you're so <laughs> just required. as well as what you can. Just exactly. To do.
0: <laughs> so that was cool. Thanks for letting us know.
1: Yeah, um, our co-host from last week, Ms. Enrica, uh, sent us a great doodle <gasps> of a fairy house with over twenty. Are you being served? References.
0: Oh my gosh! So that is like people are messaging us saying how cool it is. So yeah that was for the nightclub episode we did last time and uh... everyone had such great uh... things to say about Henrika so that Henrika you can feel the love from around the world all the way going to your uh... native netherlands but she is um... A teacher of little kids little kiddos and she teaches art and she doodles with a pen and she drew this fabulous like fairy castle village thing and she posted it on Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I liked it, you know. But then she messaged me and she said, did you notice the Are You Being Served references? And I said, what? So if you look closely, and it's on our Facebook page, it's like twenty over 20 Are You Being Served references. So you have to, like, enlarge the image and look at the details. And our specific podcast even gets a shout out. So that's all I'll say. So it's cool. So check it out. It's really cool. So thank you, Henrique.
1: Um, We also heard from new fans on Facebook, Tom, Thomas, Vicky, Corinne, Jake, Jeffrey, and Karen. Thank you very much. You've all done very well.
0: Say that three times fast. I'm very impressed every episode when you just like rattle off the names and it's,
1: <laughs> I could not do that. <laughs> um, we got quite a few emails this week, Mr. Brandon, haven't we? We did. We did indeed. It's, it's, it's quite unusual for us, actually. Um, We got uh, an email from Mr. Jim, uh, one of our token straight listeners from (laughs) Arizona, that let us know we we missed a golden opportunity (laughs) in naming the bell Gladys. And he would have named her Mrs. Axel (gasps) Bell, which of course is hysterical and of course is the correct name for the bell.
0: Oh, okay. So Gladys is saying that could be her middle name. So her name is Gladys Axelbell. Mrs.
1: Gladys Axelbell. Okay, got it.
0: (laughs) Good. So thank you. Thank you for that, Jim. And um, also, Mr. Jim is one of our very first um, patrons, customers, I don't know, supporters of the um, Bargain Basement Threadless um, shop we have. So he bought a cool T-shirt and a throw pillow Frickin' throw pillow buyers, it's amazing, that his little chihuahua loves. So hello to his chihuahua. Maybe he or she listens. And uh, hopefully, like, if you want to, Mr. Jim, shoot us an image. We'd love to see you in our cool threads that, you know, came straight from our northern Mississippi factory. So thank you, Mr. Jim, and the chihuahua. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mr. Jim. Uh, We also heard from Aybs fan who runs the um, Are You Being Served Central homepage, and uh, she's actually starting up a role-playing game oh, cool. in the new year and is looking for some players. So I don't know much about role-playing games, but I think it's in the realm of Dungeons & Dragons where you make up a character, and if you roll a 20, then the character does this, and if you roll a 1, then the character does the other thing.
0: Um,
1: that sounds right to me.
0: Um, okay. I'm sure that if you go to the aybscentral.com... Uh, or it might have changed to .NET lately. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find it. So I'm sure they'll be able to connect with you. So that's, that's right. cool too.
1: Yeah, or you could uh, connect with a fan on Twitter.
0: Ding. Okay, you get a ding for that, Mr. Jeffrey.
1: There we go. We also heard from Mr. Ben from the BBC basement.
0: <laughs> Who works in the space where the Are Bing Being served originally was filmed. Long story, yes.
1: Right. Um, and <laughs> he reminded us that um, Mike Berry was on The Voice UK a few years ago. But none of the judges recognized him. And it was quite yeah. the shock.
0: Yeah, and thank you for sending that over, Mr. Ben. And Mr. Ben's been sending us a lot of great stuff. So all of you, you've all done very well. But um, the video of Mike Barry, I watched it just before we started recording the podcast. And he's 80-something. He looks mm-hmm. great. He's, he looks exactly like he does from the pop star. Well, maybe a little bit less rouge. But Mm -hmm. um, he's wearing like this fabulous white blazer and he's singing and all of the, 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 if you've not seen the voice, it's like four, I don't know, like modern, somewhat successful singers. And they're kind of Mm -hmm. judging people and they're facing away from the singer who comes out on the stage to to basically apply for a contest thing. And if they like what they hear, they turn around and see who's singing. Well, guess what, folks? Poor Mike Berry. No, nobody turned around. He was all washed up. But no, we love you, Mike Barry. They should have turned. At least Boy George should have turned around for crying out right.
1: Well, th- I've heard that about him.
0: <laughs> sometimes there's, there's handcuffs involved. And
1: <laughs> Anyway. We also got a voicemail from Mr. Jeffrey in California. You know, the one with the W.C. Humphrey's vest. <gasps> and he's got a theory on the melting ice lolly. So let's take a listen to what he has to say. Hey, fellas, it's Mr.
0: Jeffrey the 17th from here in Southern California. I'm just calling. Um, I'm listening to the most recent podcast on the way home from work and the ice lolly um, drooping uh, when Miss Belfridge comes out in her bikini. And I agree, of course, that it would have made more sense for it to stiffen his two messes, as, as you so beautifully said, Mr. Jeff. Um, but the way that I made it make sense in my mind was that he was just so hot, you know, Temperature-wise, his body temperature just was raised so much by seeing her in such a little outfit um, that it made the ice cream melt immediately. So um, it still kind of makes sense that it was him being uh, turned on that grouped the lolly, as it were. So that's that's my
1: interpretation for you. Anyway, I hope you guys are great, and uh, I'll listen to you soon. Well, duh, Mr. Brandon. Of course it was her body heat that melted the ice lolly instead of made it more... Shall we uh, say.
0: Uh, okay, I, I'm outnumbered on this one. All right, all right, you win, you win. The Jeffs yeah. I mean, against I... Brandon, I
1: guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the message, Mr. Joffrey.
1: Yes. So please, while you're listening to our podcast, wear a mask, wash your hands, and as always, Black, Black Lives, lives matter. matter.
0: Let me also give a last plug. We're going to do the pop star in our next episode of the podcast. And after that, we're doing the unanimous episode. So we've been getting some fantastic voicemails and uh, submissions from our listeners. So we're going to do an episode after the pop star where we don't review an episode. Um, It's just based on uh, the listeners. So if you wanted to participate, now's the time. So you can go on your smartphone and use the voice memo recorder and just talk and speak to us as if you're on the podcast, because you will be, and tell us what you think about Are You Being Served? What's your favorite memory about it? Um, How has listening to our podcast changed the way you see the show? That's a cool question. I'd love to know what the listeners feel about that. What Are You Being Served quotes do you most often use? <laughs> uh, I'm free. I use that a lot. Uh, and Henrique was telling us last time that she started to um, use that in her English lessons with her little kiddos and With our
1: class. Yeah, she told oh her class you've God. all done so cool. very well. So, yeah, yeah, so if
0: you wanted to give us a, a voicemail, you can call the Peacock Hotline at 662 Peacock, or you can also, probably a little easier, make a voice memo recording on your iPhone or smartphone thing. And email it to us at that does suit madam, with an e at
1: gmail.com and if for some reason you're getting a lot of anxiety about recording your voice or having your voice blasted out to tens of dozens of millions um, then you could just write us an email or a tweet or a Facebook post, and we'll do a dramatic reading of it um, in the uh, you can the even
0: tell us which accent to read it in
1: and we'll do it poorly. <laughs>
0: Go blimey, govna. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mr. Jeff, what the hell are we doing on this podcast? What are these people expecting to listen to us yammer on about today?
1: Today, we're going to talk about Series 10, Episode 6, Friends and Neighbors, which originally premiered on March 25th, 1985. And that week in the news, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart, yet again, was One More Night by Phil Collins.
0: One more night. Nope. Oh. Nope. Oh, well. I tried.
1: And at the top of the UK singles chart, again, was Easy Lover by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins.
0: Believe Yes.
1: See? Yes, that's the beat of Easy Lover. Yeah. One more night is a lot slower. One more night. <gasps> Give yes! me just one yes, that's more it. night. Can you okay. just put a little bit of auto-tune and sweetener on that? Because my range is about half an octave from two below C to well, three below C. Well, I think that C. song
0: that what you just sang was your perfect octave range right there. <laughs> hmm
1: <laughs> <laughs> Also that week in the news, Sally Field won her second Oscar for Best Actress in the movie Places of the Heart. Her acceptance speech is very well known, but misremembered. Do it. Do you know what... So, well, do you you know what it is, right? Well,
0: it's it's the, you really like me, you like me, you really like me.
1: But that's not how uh, the speech was, and I'll tell you why. So in her actual Oscar award speech... The line was, I can't deny the fact that you like me. Right now, you like me. What happened was she parodied herself in a commercial for mustard or car insurance or something. <laughs> or where, something. It, where her line in the commercial was, you like me, you really, really like me. Oh,
0: okay. So commercials are what we really remember about life. Exactly. Look, Madge, I'm soaking in it. You have to be over a certain age to even know what that
1: means. But. What was that for? olive. Palm Olive dishwasher. That's, right. That's right. Yeah. Um, the 15th Easter Seal Telethon raised over $27 million. Damn. And Billy Joel, age 34, married Christy Brinkley, age 31, on a yacht near the Statue of Liberty. Now, okay. I remember, and I'm obviously misremembering this, but I feel like he was so much older than Christy Brinkley. And I don't know if it was because of the way she was portrayed in the Uptown Girl video. But mm. there's only a three-year age difference between them, and I don't remember that. What I'm probably confusing it with is his, is his subsequent two marriages. So um, That means after. That <laughs> so in, what was it, 2004, he married the 25-year-old Iron Chef when he was 55. Okay. And then in 2014 or somewhere around there, um, he married the 32-year-old, who is his, still his wife now, when he was 65 years old. His wife, his current wife, is mm. only four years older than his daughter, Alexa, who the song The Downeaster Alexa is named after.
0: And that is why they named the voice of Amazon after that same child.
1: Is that really what that is? No, yeah, uh, Alexa, no, no I, was I don't, I was don't, don't say. believe anything I say. I, I run a podcast, say, did...
0: but are you being served? Come on, man!
1: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that would be a great trivia to find out who Alexa, the Amazon assistant, is named after. That would be crazy. Also, if it were, um, <laughs> if it were named after Billy Joel's daughter, it's like the scene in um,
0: Doubt Fire where she's like, "What's your name?" Um, and she's looking at the newspaper and blah blah blah. Doubts Fire from fire squad and she's like oh that fire deer and the amazon people are like uh, what the hell do we name this and then like so-and-so's uh, B- uh billy Joel's daughter alexa uh, alexa and everyone nods there, there we go
1: there you go that's probably what happened i don't know why this made me randomly think of this but i guess like like other like obscure celebrity connections francis bean cobain Kurt Cobain, the singer of Nirvana And Courtney Love, the singer of Hole, their daughter Okay Do you know who her godfather is?
0: Elton John No Elton John is every famous person No, uh, who is it?
1: It's Michael Stipe from R.E.M.
0: I can see that And somehow I would imagine Somehow he would call himself the fairy godmother <laughs>
1: I don't know if he would do that Wearing I mean, like he's, little pixie wings or something he would definitely do that, but I don't think he's the. I don't think he's that kind of queer to call himself Francis's fairy godmother. He would definitely wear the pixie wings, but they
0: would be like painted black or something.
1: <laughs> They'd be painted black exactly, right?
0: Exactly. Okay. okay. All right. So um, maybe back to being served. So what happens in the episode?
1: <laughs> so we open on Mr. Harmon sweeping up using a dustpan and brush instead of the vacuum. Because he doesn't want to wake up Mr. Spooner, who spent the night sleeping in the department. Um, and I think it's very cute that when Mr. Spooner does wake up, he's wearing Paddington pajamas. And yeah,
0: and it's kind of pink and light blue. It's like little kids, right? And it's so cute yeah. because when he d- bolts up from uh, the counter, um, he's got, four guy, he's got two alarm clocks sandwiched between his ears with like tape or something tape holding them something. against his ears must have been very a, a, a rude awakening
1: yeah my very very alar- uh, loud alarm bells
0: got to say this is a cool episode for him like we don't see a lot of mike berry like in the most episodes of this season he's just been sort of silently watching the 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 cast and saying like a line here or there um and you don't really get much of him from you don't really get much of him in this episode but he definitely opens the episode and it's kind of cute
1: yeah yeah and we find the reason that he slept on the floor is that he can't afford the new transport fare hikes to be commuting back and forth to work each day. So he needed to sleep on the floor uh, at work in order to be able to be there the next day. I
0: came to the uh, recording studios here in northern Mississippi fully expecting Mr. Jeff to have, like, a spreadsheet of, like, well, this is... What <laughs> the, that's not how you sound, but this is, this is how much it would have cost to go from tooting common to Paddington Station or whatever and do you have the, the factual data for us uh, and, so you know. I
1: do not know what the <gasps> fares uh, in London Transport were in 1985 how dare you what I will say though is that it is around this time that um, they started introducing zones
0: ah, so that'll do it.
1: prior to that um, the distance between each station was calculated individually okay. so it wasn't like a zoned thing um, and you, you know you you'd walk up and you'd know oh okay I need a 25p ticket please or I need you know I got my season pass or whatever and so that problem that may have been reflected because we know that this does reflect a lot of the the uh, current affairs of the times and the Thatcherism stuff so this might have been around the same time that there actually was a huge hike in the fares on London transport, but the the fares go up and down because based on the government on the parliament that's in charge, they'll either agree to subsidize heavily so that fares come crashing down, or not subsidize so that the fares rising uh, slightly. But I can't imagine. I mean, I'm going to skip ahead to like the the the, the crux of the episode. I can't imagine that the f- transit fare hikes would have gone up so much that it saves them money to pay extra in rent <laughs> yeah, as opposed to paying the extra on the transit. This is the part of the episode where we take it all far too seriously. But um,
0: I do want to go back and the, explain maybe a little bit of cultural um, kind of context here. So, you know, um, New York City. The, the nation's the united states largest city um it's famous for having i think perhaps the largest public transportation system maybe second biggest in the world and um, uh, yeah, what's second biggest about, in the world yeah yeah what's what's so unique about it and i think this might be the only one in the world you pay one fare you can go anywhere you want you can go from the very beginning to the very end i think it's like 15 miles, uh, probably not 15 miles, but it's a hell of a long way. So that's unique in New York City. London is very different. Right now, um, it's all zones, like Mr. Jeff said. If you are in central London, basically like tourist land, that's zone one. If you go further out, It's a different zone two, three. I think maybe four or five zones.
1: Goes up to nine. To nine. Wow! If you go to like Chesham at the end of the Metropolitan Line, I think that's zone nine.
0: And you know, in London, it's just a different thing in the UK. You pay based on how far you've gone, right? And I know, like the transport in Vancouver, Canada, and like it's all—it's kind of standard around the world. Like you go further, you pay more, right? Yeah. So uh, that's that's how it is today. But it sounds like it—that happened in 1985. So if you live right on the border of zone one and zone two, and you had to go one station down to go to work, you knew before it was price per, per station, like Jeff said. So it might be X amount, like, say, 25 pence, right? But suddenly, now, you're going from one zone to another zone. So it's conceivable that there's a bigger gulf in price, because... Um, mm mm-hmm. It's just a different way of doing it. So from, from if you live in New York and you've never heard about this stuff, you're like, what the hell? But, you know, I know a lot of people would pay a lot more to live within Zone 1 in London so they, so they wouldn't have to – so they would save so much more money rather than live in Zone 3. Rent might be a little bit cheaper, but you're going to pay a lot more coming in on the transport twice a day. Right?
1: And, and spend the time.
0: Right, yeah. exactly.
1: So yeah. Interesting.
0: But yeah, I agree. I don't think it would they would save so much money like that. They would
1: <laughs> rent a
0: second place. Yeah, but
1: have a, have a pied a terre as you would. But now right. we have a lovely episode to talk about, right? Um, to further propagate the idea that uh, transport fares are excessive we see that uh, Mr. Slocum and Miss Brahms commuted in on a bicycle built for two. <laughs>
0: right. And it was so cute to have them come in like that. They kind of have like a wobbly start. I think they, they came in too early or something, but uh, yeah, it was cute. Yeah.
1: Um, Mr. Harmon is giving them the business about, you know, again, <laughs> Mrs. Slocum being fat and heavy and her right in oh. the front. And she says, yeah. you know, would you like my pump up your proboscis? With her, she has a bicycle pump in her hand and makes a gesture, an upward gesture. Um, what she this is another classic. Yeah, this I don't is know prop. So and she's trying to say proboscis, proboscis, which is which is the name of the elephant's trunk. Oh, okay. And and by metaphor, it's used as a word for nose or snout of an animal.
0: Probiscus, probiscus, yeah. Oh, and she said it wrong. Oh, okay.
1: And she said it wrong. She said proboscis, right? She's trying, man. Right. So, so if you went to an ENT, they would never diagnose you with having something wrong with your proboscis. But it's like a, one of those s- slang words that's used to sound hyper-technical but is wrong. Or like up your ruta. <laughs> yes, exactly right. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mr. Humphrey commuted in by skateboard and he comes dressed like a gridiron football player. So he's got the sh- shoulder pads, yep. he's got you know everything ready because he's going to be falling off a skateboard. Or what we find out is that he actually doesn't s- pedal the skateboard himself, but rather he hangs on to the end of the bus. <laughs> and I will say, su- are you ready for me to sound butch? <laughs> Give it your best shot. <laughs> uh, I don't think you're ready for you to sound butch, but go ahead and try. <laughs> oh,
0: goodness. Me. Oh. Um... Mr. Humphreys is wearing the Seattle Seahawks football jersey
1: is he really
0: (laughs) excuse me oh my goodness I had such a (laughs) frog in my throat you can taste the turtle um yeah it's the Seattle Seahawks I don't know why somebody in the BBC like
1: had that jersey but were the Seahawks around in 1985 I always thought that they were a relatively newer team
0: or maybe the gal or guy who designed the uniform was an are you being Surf fan he's like that's Uh, a good logo
1: I don't know. Okay. So there's,
0: there's, a, there's your, your, your yearly American football trivia
1: for you. There sports. you go. Um, he almost got into trouble, you know, because you're, you're basically, um, tr- is, would it be trespassing? Or what would the law be that you're breaking when you're like riding on the, holding onto the back of a bus on roller skates or skateboard. I don't know what that's called. But anyway, he bent down to tighten his nuts when a policeman tried to clamp him. So we get some great double entendre there, obviously tightening the knots not his scrotal area, but the, the bolts on his wheels and try to clamp him, not, you know, penetrate his posterior, but instead, his, his you know,
0: proboscis. his
1: proboscis, right. Um, <laughs> but rather put like a, a clamp boot on his wheel so that he couldn't uh, uh, drive or, or, or move forward or wheel ahead.
0: I love those little Mr. Humphreys, Like, you can definitely picture him, like, holding on the back of a double-decker bus going through Metro London with his little outfit on. And a policeman stops him to, like, try to put a clamp on his skateboard. Like, you could definitely picture it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's so cute. Um, Captain Peacock and Miss Belfridge arrive um, (laughs) at the same time, but in different lifts. Um, and then they do the little uh, exchanging of umbrellas, which we've seen before. Like they, it's the greatest hits. Like everyone jug. on yeah.
0: everyone who writes to us, they're like, "Yeah, it's the greatest hits." But it's really cute when you see Captain Peacock come out of the lift the door, and he's very obviously holding something behind his hand, behind his back. You know, it's this very flagrantly yellow umbrella, which matches yeah. perfectly Miss Bron- Miss Miss um, Belfridge's uh, outfit. Um, yeah. but it's cute. I don't know. I, 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 I I really like Miss Belfridge. I didn't like her so much when I was a kid. Uh, and I think just knowing that the actress like totally left the character and became like a very successful author um, and kind of viewing her through those lenses. But any time I see her and you, she doesn't really have much of a part, and we've talked about that on the show, I kind of wish we could see a little bit more of her about her. I wish we could see maybe... She turns out kind of like you said a couple of episodes. She's the smart one that you don't think is smart because of like cultural bias against women that are pretty. Yeah. But she would end up outsmarting everybody somehow. But un- yeah. unfortunately, we don't have any more episodes.
1: Archimedes' principle.
0: <laughs> oh, what is that? What is that quote? From?
1: When they were when they were doing the crossword puzzles and no one could figure out the one in Captain Peacock's. Ho- uh, hoity-toity Sunday Times, um, and she walks and by, they, and
0: she's like, and uh, uh,
1: um, Miss Miss Brahms was the one who belted it out in her, uh, oh yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah, yeah. Um, so cute. So in this version of the gag, um, Rumbold is the one who says, "Wait, that's Miss Belford's umbrella. I remember signing the chit for her staff bonus, mm-hmm. a discount," and then they swap umbrellas. I liked it better in the previous version when they realize it themselves just getting out of the elevator and they have a little silent fuss over <laughs> switching the umbrellas them. Bef- yeah. before anybody notices. I mean, as we've discussed, Unanimous, I am a sucker for a very subtle gesture that packs a lot of comedic punch. Um, so if I was recasting this, I would say, you know what? Just do the same gag over again. You don't even need rumbled... To do that, I mean, I, I guess you, you needed him to discover it because we need to find out what the alibi is that Captain Peacock stayed with an old army friend who happened has to have a flat around the corner, which is going to be important to remember later on uh, in the episode.
0: Mr. Jeff loves it when people uh, give subtle gestures, in fact, they give subtle gestures when he walks down the street every day.
1: <laughs> well done, thank you. Um, We learned that Mother Humphreys is also impacted by the the transport hikes. She's had to take on babysitting to earn some extra money. Um, She takes them to the bingo, (laughs) and it's not easy getting Legs 11 and the wind up at the same time.
0: Okay. I understand Legs 11 is probably the British way of doing, like, two fat ladies is the number 88.
1: That's exactly right. Legs
0: 11 is probably 11. I get that. So as you're like, B 42 uh 88 and you would say oh 88 two fat ladies ha ha, ha. but right. i don't get wind up at the same time i don't get it
1: okay so this is so this structure of um uh this structure of sentence is what's it's what's called a garden path sentence because okay. you have two you have two verb phrases that are grammatically correct but they're the the principal verb is not used in the same way so, to uh, get, yeah. So uh, hang on, I'll explain. <laughs> so to get legs eleven means that the bingo caller will call the number eleven, okay, and it's uh, and it's on your scorecard. Mm-hmm. To get the wind up is to burp to bur- burp a baby, when you pat oh! it on its back and until it um, until it burps. Okay, that makes sense. And Mr. Brandon, you're spot on about legs eleven. It is a bingo call. <laughs> um, in, um, in the UK Bingo goes from one to, The numbers 1 to 90 mm. And it's uh, The card is 10 rows of 3 Okay Whereas in the US Bingo goes numbers 1 through 75 And it's 5 rows of 5
0: You did a lot of research for this episode I'm very proud I did
1: a lot of research for yeah. this
0: Do you think Bingo is more popular in the UK Than it is here? Oh absolutely here? Absolutely
1: And every number from 1 to 90 has a specific call that's associated with either what the visual representation of the number is or what it sounds like or a Cockney rhyming slang. Wow. Okay. So just like you said, 11 is legs because the number 11 looks like a pair of legs. Mm -hmm. And 88 is two fat ladies because if you look at it, it's a very crude drawing of of (laughs) 88. Yeah, and so here's a, here's another couple of them. Okay, let's do it. Um, two is little duck. Because if you look at the numeral two, it kind of abstractly looks like a duck.
0: Okay, everyone's like closing their eyes, pointing their and finger in front of two. their face, and drawing a number two. I yeah. guess I could see that.
1: I mean, I think maybe it looks more like a swan than a duck, but hey, you know, you try your best. When you're you can. the bingo
0: caller, Jeff, you can make up your own,
1: right? <laughs> Um, number nine is called doctor's orders because in, um, in Britain, there was a famous medicine called number nine that was a laxative. Um, yeah. So there's that. Okay. Um, 13, we've actually heard Mr. Humphreys say this several times because he's assistant 13. Unlucky for some. There you go. You got mm,
0: it. Okay. That's cool. So it sounds like bingo is... As you said, it's much more popular there. But So if you're, especially maybe back in the 70s and 80s, I don't know if maybe bingo has become less popular, but back then it was probably, I mean, because people didn't have cable and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think TV makes people sit in rooms and watch a screen a lot Mm -hmm. more these days. Yep. But I guess when you had these numbers, it would have resonated a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's also a lot of call and response to this right like sometimes the, like for one of the numbers the caller will say something and the bingo players you know respond something back well that's
0: cool do you know any right? more of the
1: numbers and stuff um so this one is really interesting 80 is Gandhi's breakfast uh. because the number 80 is made up of the numerals 8 and not. when Gandhi <gasps> went on a hunger strike he ate nothing
0: and naught is the British word for zero. So eight right. zero eight naught, I ate not.
1: Oh yeah. very clever.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I bet you yeah. a lot of jokes in a lot of Britcoms that people have watched in the States, when you know that and they say a number like unlucky for some, I didn't know what that meant. I thought it was just him being clever. But it is right. being clever, but also tying into this cultural thing of bingo. It's
1: well known. It's that whenever someone says the number thirteen You'll hear unlucky for some, because that's oh, a traditional that's so cool. bingo yeah, call, I,
0: Right. I'm thinking bingo in the States. Um if you ever watch Better Call Saul, he becomes a bingo player in okay. Las Cruces or whatever to kind of get his get in with the older senior crowd so that he can mm-hmm. like write their wills and stuff. Um, okay. But yeah, I I
1: don't know. The um, only thing that, that, that I yeah. think we have that is similar in U.S. bingo is when they call 066 you're supposed to wolf whistle in response I don't know why, I don't know what that means that's just one of those things that is stuck in my head since childhood and I don't know why that is I wonder
0: if it sounds like the word sex, sex
1: I don't know. why Why wouldn't that be for 69 then?
0: I'm sure they make sounds for 69 <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they do too <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, so unanimous, you know, three-quarters of our audience is based in the United States and are of a certain generation that ends with the letter X. So um, if you are um, a Sexy. bingo aficionado or your grandmother was a bingo aficionado and you know why O66 requires a wolf whistle on behalf of the audience, please write in and let us know.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. It would be so cool to do, like, an instant poll of all the le- listeners because... I've never actually played bingo. Like, I have, like, a work thing, and it was, like, an activity, but I've not gone to the yeah. bingo It's like a, hall. a bingo
1: parlor, right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Or like I think it'd be a lot basement. of fun. Can you imagine me doing the bingo calling? I would love it so much.
1: Do you, do you remember that episode of Roseanne where she went to the bingo parlor and got addicted? No. Because there's a whole subculture. Like, you can't just go in and, like, buy a cart and go. You have to know somebody. You have to know the subculture. You have to know the rules. It, uh, otherwise, you're going to piss, like, Birdie and Selma off.
0: No, you don't want to piss them. Tomorrow, I'm going to go find... I'm going to Google bingo parlors near me. And uh, yeah, I might see you out there in the you never know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so all the workers decide that they've had enough of the transport hikes and really want to get a subsidy in their pay packets. And they start saying that um they need to go approach Mr. Grace with this. Uh Mr. Rumbold overhears uh what they're going to do and accuses Mr. Humphreys of being bent on making trouble. <laughs> and he says, I'm not bent on making trouble, I'm not bent on anything. Bent, of course, being a slang word for puff, queer, shirt flap lifter. Benza. Right. Mr. Grace ends up sacking him, indeed, for being the troublemaker and the and the ringleader. And um, his fellow staff members are very upset. Not only because he's leaving, but because they feel guilty that they pressured him into, um, into taking the case up to Mr. Grace. We cut to the canteen, and Mr. Humphries is looking very forlorn. I know, he looks so um, sad. He, he looks, looks like so the, sad. He's just lost his best friend. I mean, just like the last time when he almost got the uh, axe for um, stealing the fiver out of the till, right? I told you I was innocent. Um, So something weird is going on with the camera, and, you know, they they have to set this up because they're going to be a guest of the canteen shortly. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the first time in 10 series that the staff are sitting on opposite sides of the table, that they're not all on one side facing the camera so you actually have like Mrs. Slocum's back to the camera um, during most of this scene which oh, was I unusual didn't even notice that oh
0: that's crazy yeah
1: huh. um, the canteen manageress brings over a fairy cake because she heard the bad news <laughs> and asks Mr. Humphreys to sign a menu as a memento and then <laughs> promptly gives him his tab make sure you pay the bill before you leave I right? will <laughs> say
0: I think the fairy cake was a uh,
1: cherry bakewell. Was it really? It looked awfully familiar. Oh, ah, I didn't... I, I was watching it on my tablet, so I didn't get to see uh, in full 4K, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, because they had 4K technology in 1985. Exactly. Um,
0: uh, what the pastry the, was. Um, yeah, it looked like a Cherry Bakewell. Oh, my God. If anyone wants to send me one for Christmas, let me know. Um, can you imagine how expensive a whole thing of Mr. Kipling's uh, Cherry Bakewell would be <laughs> imported from the U.K.? Um, yeah, but it's it's cute that she brings a fairy cake because, you know, that's like everyone thinks of fairy cakes when they think of Mister Humphreys, which is sweet.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Mister Rumbold comes rushing in with the good news that Mister Grace has decided not to sack Mister Humphreys after all, um, and he's not, and he's and he's taken into consideration um, their entire argument about yeah, yeah. the transport fares um, being too high. So rather than give them a subsidy, of course, because that would cost him Because <laughs> they're so cheap. He's decided that there are three private apartments available on the top floor, and he's going to offer them for minimal rent. So that way he could actually end up making money on of the deal. Of course.
0: Right? Can I just say how nice it is that Mr. Grace is still in the show? But, of course, yes. we never see him. But when you say, oh, Mr. Mr. Grace was just blah, 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 you picture young Mr. Grace. Right,
1: of course, it's old Mister Grace that they're referring to. Uh, yeah, I, I know, guess I, I, know, know. I know, I know, I know.
0: It's like the it's like the um, the Star Wars thing where they go through and like remove people ex post facto. And in my mind, <laughs> I've cause. like removed old Mister Grace.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they go upstairs to see it. Mister Harmon gives them a little bit of a tour, and um, it has all the charm of Lennon's tomb. It looks <laughs> like one of their offices maybe with a little bit brighter because we see the floor to ceiling windows on the back wall instead of the front wall. Um, Yeah. So it's just a room because there's a shared kitchen and a shared loo down the hall. Okay. Uh, And it's basically a bed set because the bookcase turns into a Murphy bed. And I'm sure that the sofa is a pullout as well. If not, someone can uh, lay on it.
0: Okay, two questions. Two questions. Yes. Lenin's tomb. So I suppose that refers to Vladimir Lenin. I think that's his first name, the former Soviet Union leader.
1: Right. And Lenin's Um,
0: tomb, he was entombed and embalmed. So I imagine pretty Spartan (laughs) digs. Right. Um, Bedsit. I know the term, and I see it a lot on British TV shows, but what is a bedsit officially?
1: In the U.S., we call it a studio. So there's no separate bedroom.
0: Ah, okay. Well, that's easy.
1: Yeah. Um, so we learned that the Murphy bed actually has a trap door <laughs> because Mr. Grace used to get taken short in the middle of the night, and it spits you out directly into the into the WC, into the bathroom, shared bathroom down the hall.
0: And what that means is he had to pee. Exactly. <laughs> Very clever, though.
1: The staff are considering if they want to uh, if they want to take them up on the offer, and Mrs. Slocum wonders aloud. Will my pussy feel at home in such a strange place? <laughs> <laughs> Which is the perfectly timed pussy joke. Great job, Molly Sugden. Great job, writer. Uh, okay, so the,
0: on the on the spreadsheet you have in your mind, that gets good
1: points. It gets good points. Okay, that's okay. Right. Um and uh, Mr. Rumble lets them know that cats are not allowed. Again, audience, remember this point, it'll come in handy later. Yep. Um it turns out that the specific room they're viewing is Mr. Grace's room and larger than the two others. Okay. So they start arguing over who should take it first. Well, ladies should be given the first choice uh, and so Miss Brahms and Mrs. Slocum want it first. But then of course. Captain Peacock says that he should get the bigger room because he might have to share with Mr. Rumbold from time to time, knowing that it's really so that he can have an affair with Miss Belfridge mm-hmm. from time to time. And Mr. Humphreys thinks that he should have it because he's the one who almost got sacked for approaching Mr. Grace in the first place. Right. Mr. Hartman then drops the news that the flat is directly above the vent from an Indian restaurant in the back and from time to time does smell like curry. <laughs> Mr. Humphreys and Captain Peacock immediately beg off and the women have the uh, the larger of the three apartments.
0: This is really taking me back to the episode Is It Catching? Uh, and really probably a lot of other episodes where Mr. Harmon is somehow introducing a space or maybe yes. the club where okay. the crew, the staff kind of will have the episode take place. And somehow only he knows about the inf- the information. So he's kind of telling them. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you that everything is on the ceiling or <laughs> something like crazy thing. Right.
1: He's he's acting like the Greek chorus here. Oh. If we're gonna if we're gonna use,
0: I thought it was an know, Indian restaurant. <laughs>
1: um, you know, if we're gonna use traditional literary uh, terms and analysis here, he's the he's the narrator basically. Yeah. Um, of the uh, of he's setting the scene for the benefit of the audience and for the other characters. The huh. um, mention of the curry got me hungry. I think we need to go on down to the canteen for a tea break.
0: Some lovely tandoori chicken would be lovely. We'll be right
1: back. (laughs) And we're back. Mr. Brandon, what did you have in the canteen? Did you have the Indian special? Fairy cakes.
0: (laughs) No, I actually had a fairy cake. I wasn't calling you names. Um, Yeah, they're all out of tandoori chicken. No. What does Mrs. Slocum say? Two chicken tandaoris.
1: <laughs> right? In the episode where they're making yep. the food in the canteen? Uh, well, actually calling to the local takeaway instead, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What'd you have, Mr. Chuck? Chicken buna, lamb buna, prune buna, mushroom rice, bag of chips, Keena 9, and 9 Papa Doms.
0: I think you're, you're channeling um, Kath Day Noit of Melbourne.
1: Oh, so wrong. Oh, my God. Oh, no. You are so antipodian in your guess there. No. Um, it's from Gavin and Stacey. Uh, James oh. Corden's character Smithy does a famous rant about why people have to share takeaways. Uh, you know, whenever you order an Indian or a Chinese, why does everyone want to share? I order this food because it's nice and I want to eat it. If you want it, order it yourself. <laughs> is basically the 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 gist of his uh, his rant, and so that mm. that is what he places as his order uh, when the family gets together to order an Indian.
0: And it's all his, no. And one it's else. all
1: his. He's only he's the only one who can oh eat my it. Gosh. Yeah.
0: Now I'm getting hungry. Let's hurry up because I'm starving right. now.
1: <laughs> so back on the counter, Mrs. Silcom asks if the coast is clear. And it turns out that she smuggled in tittles under a hat who is hanging out at the end of the counter. She doesn't really go anywhere, but she um si- she places a saucer of milk underneath the hat, and we get some very Great, full, full. Well, great, I think, is being overenthusiastic.
0: Mechanical is the word you're looking for, Uh, I think. Uh, Foley
1: artistry going on with the slurping of the milk, the belch, and then the um, the cat pushing the saucer out um, from underneath the hat. It's so cute. I
0: love that she says, all she does is eat and sleep. Explaining why the cat is just like living underneath the hat, not doing anything. Right. (laughs) It's cute. Well, it's an
1: old cat, so I guess it makes sense. You know, there's continuity It's like 27
0: there. years old. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's cute. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But that kind of makes it cute, I think. Yeah. Right?
1: Carrying on with the cutesy, we do have two customers come in, uh, a mother and a young son. And the son is wearing knickerbockers and a cap. Like, if you were to, let's say... Pay me a caricature of a 1985 school child in England. This is what this uh, uh, ca- uh, uh, person would look like in your. Uh, yeah, it's got your,
0: like short pants on or short trousers, a little blazer, a little like schoolboy cap, right. and a little blue plastic water gun. Right.
1: The mother is um, played by Carol Cleveland, and she played uh, Miss Hannigan in the 1995 made for TV movie Annie. Uh, and also had various roles in Monty Python.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So people might have recognized her. Yep. Who was the kid? And this, Do you know? the
1: son, Cedric, is um, Felipe Escierto, Uh And he had roles in um, kid shows um, C.A.B. and Kappa 2, uh, which were both kind of like gang of, uh, gang of kids, like Bad News Bears, who like go and solve crimes and run a detective agency and things like that. Um, so he, okay. he'd be, you know he's he would be well recognized, uh, I think, of people of a certain age.
0: Um, he, it's too bad that uh, Mr. Izquierdo was always left behind. Ha,
1: ha. Good job there on the bilingual Spanish joke. Um, S- Thank you. Cedric shoots. Uh, he squirts Peacock and Slocum with his water gun, and because he is a customer, they can't you know take their temper <laughs> out of him. Yeah. What a charming little boy. You know, spoken with between <laughs> gritted teeth. And he looks evil when yeah. he says it. Um, oh, God. The customer, the mother wants a hat, and I started to get so excited. Is she going to say oh, it? Oh, the name. Is she going to say it? Is she going to say it? <laughs> no, she oh, doesn't. Oh, that say it.
0: does suit. No, she doesn't say She doesn't. It.
1: Um, Damn it. Mother does send her son off to play with his new clockwork mouse that he got for his birthday. What a terrible toy to get for your What,
0: birthday. is he a cat? Right? Like, I don't care. Right. I mean, it's... Again, we're taking it very seriously. He, but, he's, um, he starts
1: playing with the mouse on the counter, and tiddles. The cat sees it from underneath the hat and starts to inch towards the mouse, not <laughs> leaving the hat. So we see Cedric with wide-eyed wonder watching this hat move on its own, which then proceeds to eat the clockwork mm. mouse, belch, and spit out the works uh, inside. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid.
0: Yeah, I love it how um, he says "mummy, Mommy! and she's like, "Okay, kid."
1: The hat, the hat in my mouse.
0: Yeah, at one point, Missus Slocum gets splashed in the face with the water gun, and she gives like evil Miss Slocum face. Yeah, oh man, EMSF, <laughs> evil Miss Smoke Slocum face. Uh, that should be a hashtag. Um, that scene, like Missus Slocum in this episode, not the best screen time, but that scene makes it up, makes up for it, I think.
1: Well, we needed to know that Tiddles was inside the store because it sets up a joke later on in the episode. Again, <laughs> audience, keep that in your back pocket. It'll be important later on. Yes. Uh, Mr. Harmon brings up the wallpaper swatches that Captain Peacock chose. Th- these are, these are pied terres that they're going to stay in, what, a couple of nights a week? And... Now, they're, uh, they're, they're either paying or Mr. Grace is paying for them to be redecorated. Like, <laughs> they're choosing yeah. wallpaper swatches and curtains. It seems...
0: Well, a man in upper middle management certainly can't stay in a flat that isn't properly kitted out now, Mr. Jack. I Come guess. On.
1: I guess not, right? Um, but he's also getting to borrow stereo equipment from the, uh, mu- the fo- uh, stereophonics department this afternoon.
0: Yeah, that was strange to me. I guess like saying, oh, I have to have a... I'm, I'm accustomed to a certain level of luxury. Right.
1: Well, I guess right? also... Cause because in 1985,
0: yeah. that would have been like a luxury thing, right. I guess.
1: Well, I guess also because he's going to be sharing it with Rumbold. Rumbold is even higher than him, mm. who would then qualify for, for the music. But he wants it so that he <laughs> could pitch a little woo to Miss Belfridge. Uh,
0: That's why he really wants the
1: stereo equipment.
0: And he does pitch his wound
1: public. He does pitch his wound public. He doesn't go behind the bandstand like certain people have to.
0: <laughs> he would if Miss Belford was there.
1: Uh, Mr. Humphreys uh, looks at the curtain swatches and says, "Oh, those stripes are very Coronation Street," um, as a way of calling them common.
0: Mr. Humphreys said that we did not say anything. We don't need the Coronation Street uh, <laughs> Mafia after us. I will say, my time in England, I learned that. Especially in the '70s and '80s, and I don't think so much these days. But the interiors, and you know, there's a little bit of southern prejudice against the north of England, which yep. is changing, and all of these things. Not
1: not quickly enough, but yeah, it still exists. Right, of yeah. course.
0: I mean, it's similar to like the states. Like people from this, if if you go to like Real Housewives of Tuscaloosa, they're probably going to be Tuscaloosa. seen as a little. <laughs> great wo-
1: no, great word. You're choosing cities with K sounds. That's pure comedy right there.
0: <laughs> Tuscaloosa. Um, yeah, but it's going to be a little bit less posh feeling than Real Housewives of Poughkeepsie, Hoboken. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, but but I remember being taught that Coronation Street depicting real people. As opposed to, and of course, East Enders; those are real people too, but a lot of portrayals in the 60s and 70s and 80s, let's say, in the UK, they wouldn't show the average person in the street. They would show, like, a an old Stablethorf, and their their wife, and, and their daughter, Bucky, or right. whatever.
1: Do you know the Cotswolds? <laughs> Do you go to the Lake District every year? Right.
0: But anyway, so it's interesting that Mr. Humphreys, who, by the way, is probably dead common himself, is saying, oh, this looks very Coronation Street. He's having to make him sound a little bit more hoisy toity than what you, could, you are, right. whatever thing is. Yeah,
1: yeah no, we, we definitely still have that in the States. You know, it's not so much the Mason-Dixon line, but <laughs> what I call the use Y'all" line. So where that, like, kind of, like, curve is that includes, you know, Virginia and southern Indiana and Illinois and curves all the way down to, like, most of Texas, if you imagine that kind of arc, that's the south, that's the y'all line, and then everywhere else is the you's line or the you guys line, where that will be your plural of the It's sort of person. the
0: Dunkin' Donuts slash, uh, what's the non-Northern version of Dunkin' Donuts?
1: Um, Starbucks, right? Starbucks, yeah. I mean, where where do you get your coffee in northern Mississippi?
0: You, have you not heard? Beppo's has expanded <laughs> westward. <laughs> Little known. you have to you have, you have to know the right people. You have to go up to someone in the back of a store and put your finger next to your nose and say, beppo sent me yeah, and then they right. open a door and there's a coffee shop in there.
1: so anyway back to this tv show that we happen to watch every <laughs> once in a while uh, mr yeah. spooner doesn't want to share a flat with mr humphreys he's seeing he's already seeing he's being very particular about the curtains mr spooner's not going to get a say in what kind of curtains and mr humphreys has had enough he says don't start with me i've had a very short fuse where mr Harmon ch- chimes in well that's the rumor that's going around packing
0: I got to say, I really think um, this show, I mean, it's groundbreaking in so many ways. The fact that Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Spooner basically have a lover's row about decorating their
1: yeah, their flat. right? right. And they're going right? to have to share the mur- Well, no, they're not going to share the Murphy bed. Mr. Humphreys will get the Murphy bed and Mr. Spooner will sleep on the sofa. That's the way that that's going to work.
0: Of course. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just interesting how... They could have been a married couple in that fight, which yeah. was part of the comedy. It was kind of cute. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and of course, you know, Mister Humphreys was like, you know, it was, I have a short fuse, and, and uh, he could have basically said, "Men," <laughs> right? And that would have been perfectly suited for that little right. exchange. but pretty cute. Yeah, I liked it.
1: So we get we go back upstairs to the flat, and Missus Slocum and Missus Brahms are decorating theirs. And they're wearing gas masks the entire time. <laughs> I guess the Indian restaurant must be full-on with their curries and their kormas. Um, yeah. And they've had to close the window in order to keep the smell out, so they want to see if it's um, the smell is dissipated or not. Um, Mrs. Slocum hasn't quite gotten the fact that even though they're still in the building, they're off the clock, and she's ordering Miss Brahms around like she's still the junior. Make the tea, put on the water for tittles uh supper so she could have her uh cods heads answer the door and miss brahms is barely putting up with it because she knows she is her boss during the yeah. day and she's got to share this space with her now like what has she gotten herself into so
0: miss brahms would you like a cup of tea oh i'd love one thanks good well when you make one could you make put one, one, one for, on me, for too? me too right <laughs> so bad and then she wants to like oh turn the gas on the water so that we can boil those cods heads for Mrs. For in uh, the in the shared the kitchen, right? Gross. Yes. Do not microwave fish in your shared office kitchen, right? F Y I,
1: and do not boil cods heads in your shared, uh, furn- uh, uh, shared apartment situation.
0: It's a it's a good it's a good tip for everyone, right. really.
1: Uh, Miss Humphreys comes in for a visit, and he is carrying two babies and a
0: beautiful green apron that makes him look very much the the image of Donny. Yep.
1: So, mother has taken the triplets to Bingo, and he's left with the twins. So, I guess Mother <laughs> Humphreys has five babies to sit. Can you for. just
0: picture Mother Humphreys? I love that we call her Mother Humphreys right. with like three newborn children while with all their bingo cards. I love you it. You know
1: what I picture is you know that scene <laughs> in. um Absolutely fabulous series one, episode four, isotank, when uh Adina orders uh adopts the Romanian babies and Oh my God, they just so funny. they just keep coming and handing her babies and coming with the prams and all <laughs> that's what I picture when Mother Humphreys has to be right? Yeah. Um Yeah, that's good. And so this is where we get the famous line, Come and sit next to me, Mr. Humphries, and give me a baby. Well, I only came here for a cup of tea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I, I guess I'll say it here. I've been holding in. Um, it just feels really contrived. Oh, the jokes are kind of cute. Oh, it's, it just feels like it's a new space that the actors don't know how to like navigate within very well, and it seems like all of the people were a little bit too far away than where they should have been.
1: I completely I don't know. no, I completely agree with you. Uh, all of these jokes are contrived, and they're all done just to set up the madcap. Hilarity that is supposed to ensue Because what we see In this final act Is we see the pace starting To pick up a little bit And there's going to be a lot of physical comedy With people entering and leaving um, Very similar To a Benny Hill yakety sack sketch That you know where it's based on that But it, it feels Like the tempo never picks up enough To be truly madcap It's chaotic at best
0: yeah and it's just a little bit uh, it's a different set and of course that throws me. And if you think about the yeah. scene where they're on the roof of Grace Brothers and they're like Grace Brothers on Safia to salespersons that yep. scene it was kind of like okay they ran from one side of the set and they ran to the other side and then they yeah. ran back and it was sort of like
1: But they all did what they, 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 all, they all did that as a group, right? And, yeah. and so that made a lot more sense because you wanted to keep the audience interest and you need to have a little bit of visual movement in order to do that. And, so and it's
0: sort of like if, if you have a lot of visual movement and like people running around, it's more difficult to focus on what they're saying. So it's almost like the lines are less important and I'm kind of getting that a little bit on this episode. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, the babies are crying. I mean, who's got, they've got the babies in the corporate apartment. The babies are crying. So, <laughs> The reason that Mrs. Slocum asks for Mr. Humphreys to give her a baby is so that she can help him pacify them, and so they start singing a lullaby, uh, the sweetest little fellow everybody knows, and Mr. Humphreys changes the last line to reveal that one of the babies has peed on him. Um. So he's got he's got Whoops. he's got to go change his nappy. Um, yeah. There's knocking on the wall, and Peacock comes in to complain about the crying there's too much noise in the thin walls so there's and i love that
0: he's wearing like a very sophisticated a smoking black jacket smoking black right smoking
1: jacket yeah he's in his evening attire his his, his <laughs> own wear. this is his normal way right. um he complains about the crying and he hears tittles meowing so there's a lot of noise going on and then on cue the stereo turns on and we hear miss belfridge playing rock music from their apartment Um, because
0: everyone has an issue with it. Oh my god.
1: Right. That she's staying over.
0: Well, no, the rock and roll, of course, everyone on in Grace Brothers would be like, Rock and roll? How dare you?
1: Yeah. Um, they (laughs) they hand Miss Belfridge a baby because they want to distract her from Miss Captain Peacock, and the baby stops crying as soon as she holds it. So she's got away with babies. She eventually gets both babies, and they stop crying. The setup is... This is a setup for the physical comedy later on. Um, yeah. Mr. Referees has run out of nappies, so he's had to use the napkin for the champagne bottle as a makeshift nap- nappy until Mother gets back from bingo. Um, Rumbled comes in...
0: Necessity is the mother
1: of invention. In. There you go. Mr. Rumbled <laughs> comes in to check in on everyone to see how moving went, and Mr. Harmon follows to let Captain Peacock know that his wife is on her way up along with Mrs. Rumbold. So Mrs. Peacock and Mrs. Rumbold are coming to visit. Because I'm sure they don't understand why their husbands aren't coming home from work, but rather staying at work. It sounds very fishy to me. I'm sure it sounds very fishy to them as well.
0: Especially with those boiled cod's heads. Right.
1: <laughs> God. I can't with you anymore. (laughs)
0: Um, The unanimous must be laughing on the inside as well.
1: This is where the madcap hilarity is supposed to begin, where the action is really going to pick up. Um, Mr. Harmon pushes the magic button on the Murphy bed and sends Mr. (laughs) Rumbold and Miss Belfridge and the babies down to the, the loo, right? And we finally meet Mrs. Rumble, who comes up with uh, Mrs. Peacock. No, we've never so, met
0: her before, have we?
1: No. So we've seen her. We've seen her back
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah. in the holdup, right? When, when he's uh, holding his little call. koala
0: bear, which is so cute.
1: Right. Not koala bear. fox. We've been over this. Oh, that's
0: right. It was Fabulous Mr. Fox or right. but Basil Brush or
1: something. This Basil brush. Right. Um, right. Um, we, this was during our Madam Con live episode, and there were alcoholic we beverages were drink- involved. We were so. Okay, I was
0: drinking. Okay, yeah, are you happy? happy. So, are you happy?
1: Um, <laughs> um, Mrs. Rumble is played by uh, Jean Chalice, who was uh, the mum on She Wolf of London, and she was also Mrs. Arnett on the UK version of Dear John. Hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. I don't know those films, but maybe I should
1: go watch it. Um, TV shows. Sorry. TV shows. Sorry. TV series. Yeah. Um, so the, the wives are berating their husbands. Um, <laughs> uh, well, sorry, Mr. Rumbold is down in the loo, so she, he's not anywhere yet, yeah. but we see Mrs. Peacock really grating out on Captain Peacock about what he's doing. Why is he dressed like that? What's going on? Um, he, she accuses him of having an affair and says, look, this is the perfect book for you. Lady Chatterley's lover. And she goes to take it out and that is the magic button that reveals the bed and we see that mr. Rumbled Miss Belfridge and the baby reappear on the Murphy bed oh boy right okay so, so what
0: is this book I don't know why it's I mean is this a famous book that I should know and I did not and I slept that day in a literature class or
1: yes yeah, so this this is a book that you missed in AP literature whoops uh, it, it is it is very famous um, it is 20th century. And it wasn't published in the UK until 1960 because it was considered obscene. Oh. Right. The, the plot of it is a woman whose husband is paralyzed from a war injury starts an affair with the gameskeeper because she needs physical satisfaction. All right. It has multiple gratuitous uses of the word fuck <laughs> and the C word and explicit descriptions of... Sexual penetration.
0: I like that you said the word fuck, but not the C word. Because while we are explicit, we're not crude. Right. So, okay, so the the tempo is increasing. Suddenly we have four, six, eight, nine people, ten people in the room now.
1: Well, yeah, so uh, now everyone's back in the room. So Mrs. Peacock is satisfied that Captain Peacock... Is not having an affair with anyone because it feels, it appears that Mr. Rumble is the one that's in trouble. <laughs>
0: yeah. Because um, somehow, smooth Captain Peacock is oh. able to talk his way out of it.
1: Right. The cod's heads are burning in the kitchen, so Mr. Humphreys goes to run in and check on them. Mrs. Rumble presses the book again and brings Miss Belfridge back with Mr. Humphreys with both of the babies. Captain Peacock and Mrs. Peacock make up. Miss Brahms is sitting there trying to figure out what's going on and I'm sure that Mrs. Slocum is still waiting for her tea. <laughs>
0: like, she's lounging on the couch waiting to be waited on hand and foot.
1: Right. And that's it. And, that's the end of the episode. And, that, and that's the episode for all of that build-up to the last two minutes of Madcap to no resolution. <laughs> and and I, we, had, we had, like, they started to build conflict between Captain Peacock and Mrs. Peacock. And I, I guess we got like a very sloppy deus ex machina resolution with literally the God coming out of the machine But they push the button and they're back from the Murphy bed. Um, but all of that buildup went nowhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you are um, a fan of British TV, you probably know of... Yakety sacks and that funny chubby guy running around with the footage sped up a little bit. Benny Hill. Um, This kind of which is getting
1: a reboot, by the way. Really? Yeah. Um...
0: Okay, I'm not sure. Because basically, the humor was him like being overwhelmed by a woman's breast, and then like doing that thing with your fingers where you want to eat a yummy piece of toast or something and you almost like Wallace and Gromit when he's about to eat cheese but he would do it towards women's breasts and bottoms and things anyway that's kind of strange but this whole
1: it was all all about a dirty old man is what it was
0: yeah and this whole thing it kind of felt like a Benny Hill thing of course not nearly as misogynistic or sexist about it but yeah I don't know like it felt sort of it's again it's the greatest hits we talked about every episode on season 10 it's the penned ultimate episode of the original series. And if you think about, like, okay, how are we going to do something? Let's do something with a funny Murphy bed where the people get swapped and blah, blah, blah. So if you think about Mike, Sp- uh, Mike Barry, Mr. Spooner, he had to flip backwards. If you if you watch him when the when he's on the bed and the bed goes up, the Murphy bed.
1: Um, oh, yeah, they all have to do some physical comedy here in order to, like, You know, turn behind them to land on whatever padding was behind the curtain, which, by the way, you see the black curtain separating, um, which is supposed to be the black wall, but you see it into like whatever is their landing zone. You see that curtain moving several many times. Yeah,
0: but, you know, with Miss Belfridge and um, Mr. Rumbold, they don't move instantly from from the bed when they go up. But with Mike no. Barry, the first time he—he's the first one to go up. He has to instantly dash off off camera and go through the side door because he's supposedly now in the loo, right? So right. that, as an actor, whoa, man! Like you have, if you watch—he flips upside down as he's, you know, it's a live audience. Everything has to work the first time. Um, and of course, everyone else after that. I don't think they flip back. I think you know. They they kind of hang out maybe ninety degrees on their side and then they get put back on the bed as it as yeah, it folds I, down. I, I but wonder it's just,
1: if they had um, I wonder if they had like seat belts or something. Yeah, they've gotta have something, the other actors. right? But it's
0: just like yeah. all of this mishigas and like all of this commotion and stuff to to um, the physical comedy of having people go inside the wall and then come back out. And like a couple of funny jokes here and there, like Mr. Humphreys give me a baby. Ha ha But you know, again, we're a we're a twenty twenty one audience. We 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 critique it that to hell. We really expect very witty, super polished scripts and writing and and dialogue, but it was nineteen eighty five. Like people who were forty years old, they were raised on T V in the fifties and early sixties, and it was very physical back then. So Yeah. This is, you know, it's last little hurrah. It has one more episode of the original series. So it's just a f- little physical humor, and I think the, t- the, t- the tastes for television these days is a lot less physical. It's more witty, and... Yep. So I think that's kind of why this episode feels a little blah for me. But it's also already being served, so it's gospel.
1: Right. How did you feel? I, I completely agree with you. You know, I think that... This is typical for season 10. Um, it was a clunker.
0: You know, they were able to crack out these episodes. We're lucky they came back together at all. So it's all gravy. It'll be really cool to see the episode, the pop star next episode of the podcast. rat tat tat Oh, very nice. rat ta tat tat um, To see if we think it's more of like Greatest hits, not so great, okay, they're singing a song, that's kind of cool. Or is it really, really funny? I don't remember most of it. I remember the ending and the singing and how Mr. Humphreys looks like a woman.
1: I only remember my reaction to it when I was younger, not knowing that this was the final episode of a beloved series. Yeah. I remember being very bored with the musical performance taking up so much time in the end of the episode.
0: Well, there's a lot to be said about that and maybe we should wait until next episode. And yep. it's weird that like we've come to the end of the episodes. Like, my goodness, we started this February of twenty twenty, just before COVID became a thing. Now yep. I think eighty percent of Americans have COVID vaccines.
1: Mm, um, hoping I don't know if it's that much yet. Oh no. Soon. Soon but not Hopefully. Yet. I think maybe, if, you know, yeah. we say
0: it all the time. Um but it's been crazy, um, but it's been a lot of fun, and that's kind of why we wanted to do the Unanimous episode, just so we kind of give ourselves some space to like, talk about the podcast and,
1: yeah. and the cool people we've come to know it along the way. So, Mr. Brandon, if the Unanimous want to participate in that, or they've got other things to let us know, how can they get in touch with us?
0: Do you like how, we, how I keyed you up for that? Uh, <laughs> well, Mr. Jeff, <laughs> you can get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter. Write us an email at that does suit madam, with an E, thank you, Gladys, at gmail.com. And you can call the Peacock Hotline at 662 Peacock, that's 662 732 2625. And you can be like cool Mr. Jim from Arizona and buy some merch from our bargain basement at imfree.threadless.com And with that, Mr. Jeff, as always. You've all, You've all done, done, done very, very well. well.
1: Bye, bye, you bye, 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 That does suit, madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Roommates or housemates on the same rental agreement are jointly responsible for following all conditions of the rental agreement, including payment of rent.